Okay, you listen to AK Mindset. Please beware of spoilers for shows such as One Piece, Bleach, Naruto, My Hero Academia, Haikyuu, and others. If you're not caught with the manga yet, we advise you to listen carefully and we hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. Yo, what's going on, people? Daniel here from the AK Mindset Podcast. Bring you episode 21 of the AK Mindset. As usual, I have my co-host with me, Rajel and Ed. Say hello to the people. Yo, 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 Agwan. We're back again. Back again for a special episode. As always, I'm excited for this one. Can't wait. Likewise, bless up, everybody. Thanks for the wait, the much-anticipated hype for this special episode. So, yeah. Yes, and... For this episode, you've probably seen from the title, we're talking about Diamond of Ace, um, overdue, very overdue. And to make up for the long wait, we decided to bring a special guest. So we've got the Don, the Godfather, the future Hall of Famer, JD Legend. Say hello to the people, Jay. Yo, what's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about the best sports series. In anime history, I know a lot of people may not agree, but, you know, I'm here to convince everybody. <laughs> now, nah, talk your ish, man. You're right. You, you didn't tell one lie. It's peak, man. It's peak. We watched it five times. Never gets <laughs> So, yeah, just to um, just, uh, break the ice, I want to ask you guys, what was your general thoughts on season two of Diamond and Ace? And I want to go to Ed first, since this was your first time watching it. Yeah, it was my first time. Literally just caught up. And um, the first thing I thought about was like, it was quick, man. It went by quick. I think the, what, 25 less episodes, I, I felt it. Because I wanted more. I wanted more. It was a beautiful, beautiful season. I went through it fast, to be fair, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think the development of some characters and the additions of some characters as well was, was good. I feel like I enjoyed it more than the first season. At times in the first season, I felt like it dropped out a little bit. But this season was good, man. I enjoyed it. What about you? Uh, I mean, Rizal, how did you find this season? I know you've seen it before, but... Yeah, this is like the rewatch for me. And I know the, the first time I did season two, I accidentally started off with act two because I, I was so confused. It didn't even make sense. Why is it the part one then act two? I was like, act two, season two. But, you know, I blessed it, watched it in the chronological order. And this... The rewatch was, it kind of let me see details that I missed and I can really, really key into kind of the emotions of the teams and some of the like character dynamics. And just, I thought I really keyed into the, how passionate they are about baseball, which is, is crazy because at some moments you feel like it's just life or death. Like if I don't make this play, if I, if I don't win this game, I'm letting down myself, I'm letting down the team, you know, and that kind of really shone through on the rewatch. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's good. That's good. And last but not least, Jay, what did you think of season two? Um, I think season two is where you really see the lifeblood of the series. 
like season one was amazing, obviously, because you have the third years that are like special to everybody. You know, you love them all, but they're already already made product. And in season two, you see people that you thought were scrubs. You see people that you didn't really know if they were good or not, and you see them grow before your very eyes. You see what it takes to get to that place. You see the mentality shift, the growth. You see one Sawamura just go on this journey from absolute devastation and honestly borderline being a you know a useless player like he was that he was really on the brink and you see him go through this massive turnaround and it seems like in this season they focus more on the mental side of the game rather than the actual play and just seeing how that was developed in every single character to me it was i still think it's the best season um with the best matches as well despite you know the inishiro in season one, but overall, man, it it was just I was so engaged from the beginning to the very end for the entire series. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree with all those points there, especially the mental point you brought up. Because I feel this season kind of gives you payoff for what you experienced during season one, where you've seen the sparks within the first years, especially in Sawamura. Buria and Haruchi and you kind of start to see their journey as they come into their own as first string players and just how it's not easy for them but what I really what one thing I really like is just the way you see Saomura developing as he's slowly adding things to his tool clip and it's all coming together as he's still trying to vie for that position of ace pitcher on the team so I think season two does a really good job of um, continuing the journey that we're on with Sawamura and seeing him as he's working towards um, slowly getting towards that goal. So yeah, I think season two overall is really it's really good. But on to the next point. I want this um, this point I'm talking about leadership. So in this season, we see Narumi May. He's taken on the, the third years have left his team, obviously. And now he's coming into his own as an ace and he's facing new challenges. And we also have Miyuki, who has been given the captainship title by Tetsu, and he has to come into his own, managing the pitchers, now the batters, and just be the overall caretaker for the team. So I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on how you felt um, the challenges they experienced in their leadership positions, both Narumiya and Miyuki. And anyone can take this one. Well, I'll go first. I, guess. Um, I feel like, especially with this season it was a lot put a lot of emphasis on philosophy and how people you know their character and ideals and personal um philosophies kind of integrate into what kind of teammate they are and what kind of ideologies they um bring forth and with obviously may you have that kind of headstrong talented overly talented sometimes overbearingly talented mentality where he's like oh yeah i've got this watch me i've been doing this since day dot i'm number one i'm special and that kind of um bleeds through um his kind of his philosophy of how he approaches his leadership because you see how teammates they kind of fully buy into it it's not toxic you know in certain environments it becomes toxic where you're like oh this guy just thinks he's the headshot the the top guy the top don but it doesn't become toxic because everybody around the team 
buys into it and you see it throughout the series like especially the time when he decided not to follow his um catches do you know what's it called catches call on a play and it was mm-hmm. like no any other team that might be like oh that's toxic but the catcher was like a couple chapters on was like bro you have to do that don't lo- lower your level to me i'm trying to reach you i'm trying to shine like you i'm trying to be better don't just because that that didn't end up going well or didn't produce the result we wanted doesn't mean you have to back down and just listen to everything i say you are may you are that guy you're the guy who tried to recruit a super team in in high was it in middle school you're you're special and that kind of emphasis is so distinctly different from Miyuki because Miyuki he's relaxed laid back people person but also he he doesn't want to take everything too seriously he also has that talent level where oh he's extraordinary and special and everybody knows that but he doesn't put much emphasis on that as a individual he doesn't be he doesn't show out where he's like oh look at me I'm the superstar he kind of delegates he builds other people up he listens most importantly he listens and responds and takes in consideration other people's ideas thoughts and how they feel in the moment and we saw that with the what um nabe situation man was listening he wanted to fully say look bro i understand your position and i understand what you're saying and your the scenario you're in is hard i'm not going to force you to do anything that you're not comfortable with and I don't think May would do that. I don't think May has the same kind of philosophy ideals like that. So two very contrasting leadership styles. Yeah, I was I was just going to add on to that. I think um it, it it's funny where that comes in because you've seen a lot of teams and I guess one comparison you can make is um you're in the NBA for example, right? And I guess you can use John Moran as a, as an example. You know, he's young, he's a superstar. They feel like they're capable of anything. I'm sure LeBron had to go through the same thing where you believe in your talent. You believe your talent can take anyone anywhere. So it's just like, as long as you guys are following me, like we're good, like we got it. And one time, sometimes you realize that you have to make sure that your teammates are all on board and they're all locked in with their own individual play. Because Naomi was so focused on the fact that I can carry the team, that everyone believed he could carry the team. They also forgot about the opponent. They forgot about the fact that there's other people on your team that you have to keep in line. You have to have, make sure their mentality is ready. They have, they're ready to do whatever it takes to win when I'm not at my best. And I think Naramia didn't understand that. And then I think it just goes to show when he lost to uh, Ugamori and the speech that the coach gave him, where he basically ripped him up. He tore Naramia to pieces. <laughs> and I, like, I, I was he he ripped him up, and I was all I was here for it because he was right. He was like, "Bro, I thought you were going to be the leader of the team, but clearly I was wrong. Like, mm. clearly you don't understand what leadership is. Like, people forget, but Harado is raw. Like Harado last year was absolutely incredible, but he understood that. Okay, I have the best pitcher in Japan, but I need to keep him in line. Mm. He knew how to manage Naramia. Naramia doesn't know how to manage anyone." As a leader, you have to be able to manage. You can't just carry, right? That's that's the thing that a lot of these people don't understand. And I think if you look at the Brooklyn Nets situation, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, 
they don't realize they have to manage the team too. They're like pseudo managers. And if you can't do that, when things get bad and you can't just re- and, and you can't just rely on yourself, you need other people to deliver. Guess what happens? Everything falls apart. Thanks. So I think mm, that the, I think the anime showed that so well. And it just goes to show this is why I love the anime so much. It doesn't matter how good you are. Miyuki learned the same lesson. Just because I'm amazing doesn't mean that everyone in the team is just going to understand I'm amazing and everyone's going to be fine because everyone can be held to my same standards. Not everyone is as talented as you. I have to manage the team. I have to understand what it is I need to do in each and every situation. And it may not be me hitting a home run. It may not be me, you know, throwing a change up, you know, on the third pitch. It may be me just giving a light little nudge to my catcher. Be like, yo, man, I'm going to throw wherever you put the mitt. And the moment you say that, bro, all of a sudden he has the confidence like, all right, I got this amazing pitcher. This is the best pitch he can throw. That's when you form the battery. That's when everything happens, right? And I think Naramiya and Miyuki both had to learn that. And learning that leadership is not about ability. It's about management. I love the season, bro. I love it. It's a magical season. <laughs> magical. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think maybe so far from like a superior case of like tunnel vision. Like he was like, this is what we need to do. And I feel like most um, talented players in almost every kind of aspect of sport sometimes suffers from that. Like I can think back to Coconut Basket to all the generation of miracles in their own team. I felt that they depend on their ability so much. They forget that everyone's not talented as them sometimes because they feel like they are the team. If I do well, everyone is going to you know, match my energy and do well. But on the other hand, Miyuki's like, you know what? I need to look after everyone else, physically and mentally. Like, are we in this together? Because we, let's not forget, Miyuki's amazingly talented as well. Like, he's amazing. But I feel like he doesn't let that, like, dictate how the team plays. And I think that's the like, major, major difference in how they lead the teams. Yeah. And just going off that point about leadership i think and this is something that um i have to shout out perry as someone who's been badgering us to do this episode he brought up the point about being a great player versus being an actual great leader and i think in the naramia situation and before i go into it further i have to say i really enjoyed that moment when he lost because the tears i was so happy when oh i saw him geez. cry <laughs> because the suffering he put us through in this <laughs> man Oh. I didn't expect it. You didn't expect him to. You didn't expect them to lose. So True. I was like, okay, revenge match, and then they lost, and I was like, wow, okay, that's surprising. But <laughs> in that situation, I think the coach really did get down where he was just so focused on being a great player, he forgot that he's also supposed to be a leader, yeah. and it kind of showed with the players around him where they were all doing, they were all being individuals. They forgot that they were a team, and baseball was one of those sports that you really need to be a team because there's so many different positions. Everyone's responsible and they all come together to win the game. And he was so focused on, yeah, it's just me. As long as I'm good, we win. And that just, it didn't work. And the thing with Miyuki that I found, I guess, interesting is in the situation with Nabe, I didn't really think he was wrong. But when he talks with Tetsu, you kind of see where um, 
his position of privilege because of his talent. Yeah. Um, I guess um, I don't want to say blinded him, but made him a bit too relaxed. Where he's like, oh, okay, um, if you don't want to play, then you can you can just quit. When he he made the assumption that he wanted to quit when he never really said that. He just said he was struggling. So, yeah. You, you know, it's funny, right? That Nabe situation, I'm not going to lie. It took me maybe three rewatches to finally understand all sides. Because at first, I'm like, yeah, I don't think what Miyuki said was wrong. And then I thought, yo, Zono is really tripping. Like, Zono was just tripping. I just thought Zono was tripping for a minute. And then I think it was on the third rewatch, I kind of sat down and really thought about it. I'm like, one, Nabe didn't want to quit. Miyuki kind of just cut him off. And, you know... When Miyuki, when it comes to certain mindsets that people have, where Miyuki's like, I have this talent, I need to maximize it, baseball's not a game to me. There are some people that do want to succeed but realize their limitations, and there's a whole other mental struggle that they have to go through to maintain, to stay on the team. With Miyuki, he knows he can do it. He has, he has absolute confidence in his ability that, okay, if I don't make it now, I'm going to make it later. With Nabe, it's like, I'm never going to make it, but I'm still here. With Zono, he was at that point where I'm like, yo, am I really going to get my chance or not? You know, Zono had that undying determination where he knew he was trash and he got there. So for Zono, he sees anyone else that's trash and says, bro, just work as hard. Just work as hard as me and we can make it. Let's pull everyone together. And Miyuki's like, well, I work hard, but I, I hoop at the same time. <laughs> so, 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 so it was like... It, I think it was for Miyuki to realize, and this is the same thing with Naramiya, man, like, hey, not everyone is like you. And as a leader, you have to have empathy. I feel like a leader that lacks empathy is not a leader. It does, it, empathy is one of the most important things that you need as a leader in order mm -hmm. to actually succeed. And Naramiya didn't have it, and neither did Miyuki, and I think they both grew in that category as, as they go along in season two. Do you know what's so funny? It's the the apparent distinction because they're both on it's the same thing they lack but they're on different fields so may is not empathetic enough at all he's not looking at all to understand somebody else's feelings and emotions and their passion and their need to also do well and be a collective as a team whereas um miyuki is like He's too empathetic. He's sometimes in some aspects, he's too understanding that he's not going to challenge um, somebody else's notion. He's not going to challenge and be like, oh, or question why Nabe wanted to quit or push him and say, instead of quitting, maybe there's still opportunity for you. There's still time to, you know, be in the position that you want to be. I know you have this dream that you want to play. The opportunity is still there that as long as you breathe as long as you can still swing you know what i mean they're both on such contrasting ends and definitely throughout this season i definitely see in in terms of even the coaches everybody's um philosophies were being challenged everybody's ideals and understanding of the game of baseball and what it means to be a team was being challenged and the things that everybody kind of prioritized they had to rethink and look at it and be like, maybe there is more, you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I think, with especially with Miyuki, that's why Tetsu chose him, because he knew that it wouldn't be easy for him, but the end result would be worth the struggle because of how much responsibility he has to take on. And he also has um, 
Kuromochi and Maizono as supports and I believe they, they serve to help balance him out where Kuromochi is a more balanced um, one. He sees both sides and Zono is he's more emotional. Um, so he might evoke more of a reaction of Miyuki, force him to stand up for himself or take more of a um, what's it, confrontational role when, when he's trying to address things. And both of them help drive Miyuki as he's learning how to be a captain. And I believe, I think I saw one comment on YouTube where the moment where you really see Miyuki become like embrace his role is during the Raw when they're um, versing Seiko, where he kind of changes up the words and he's saying, oh yeah, we are not kings, we're challengers. And you mm. see where he's trying to put his own spin on the, say, the Raw to motivate his teammates. But yeah, I think the the struggle and the, the dynamic between Narumiya and um, Miyuki was one of the more interesting plot threads of the season. Because especially with Narumiya, you could say he was overcompensating because he knew how important Masa or Harada was to the team. And he was trying to take on too much, you could say, because he didn't really know how to do it properly. Yeah, and we definitely have to rate... Um what's the name the pitcher a lot because he was always i'll forget his name who is who is the pitcher which pitcher that they lost to oh, oh um Umemiya. yeah Umemiya. Go. He, he is so <laughs> wavy because he makes the game like he challenges the pitcher like he challenges everybody he makes you want to fight and make it one v one so he was even playing on the, his uh, maze insecurities like he was leading may into making bad decisions throughout the whole game and we saw that in other matches when he has like those slide digs or slide you know one words that he would just bring out you know he's just trying to get into your head mm. and play you into a position where you're not going to win or you're going to make bad bad decisions so i rate him highly okay let's uh we'll move on to the next topic which is about coaches so in this one, I want to focus on because we have Kotoka, who we know, and he's supposed to be leaving. And then we have the new blood, Coach Okai. And I know, Rizal, you had something you wanted to get off about <laughs> Coach Okai. So I'll let, you, I'll let you go first for this one. Do you know, okay, he is the definition I don't, of op. He is like the guy who <laughs> hates for no reason. And the, th- no worst reason. Thing is, the worst thing is, he's actually a good coach. He's actually a good you know what I mean? He's actually like intelligent. He knows how to work with players to some extent where he doesn't go beyond like the call of duty where a player will feel down. But in multiple situations, his philosophy and ideals are so wrong, especially um, when connected to um, Sado. Like the way he was trying to say that, look, some people are not worth putting in the effort and work into because they're definitely not going to make it. And that he just has that lack of understanding of what potential is. And that sometimes there's hidden gems that you might not see like their true value unless you work on them a bit. And obviously towards the end of the series, he starts to kind of awaken to those ideas where he's like, you know what, you, you surprised me. But I'd, even then, I feel like he's stubborn because why is his hand always on his chin? <laughs> doesn't he does he not get cramp why is his hand always in the chin that's the that's the hater pose tell me that's not the number one hater pose 
As someone who has a beard, I disagree with that. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> it's just fun to stroke your beard sometimes, man. You just, you know, it's, it's like a nervous, it's like a nervous reaction, I guess. I don't know, bro. But he he couples it with the the stank eyes. He's just looking down at you, like nose up. You know what I mean? That's that's a different type of pose. Yeah, I don't think I ever warmed up to. you. Um, or try even at the end of the series I, that's, I don't like him bro I never rated him I think it's just my love for Katakuzo I just genuinely think he's one of the best coaches in, when it comes to sports anime and the the drastic difference between both of them I just don't know they have to bad taste in my mind like what Rizal said it's like just putting the effort in some players man it's, I felt like he gave up too easily sometimes when it comes to some players it's like you know what it ain't worth it but I felt like that's how you find some like black diamonds in the rough. It's like, you know, pushing these players, even though you might not think I've turned to those other players, but I don't know, I just I just didn't really like him. The only player you're allowed to give up on is Kawaki, because I I'm not gonna lie to you. Kawakami, allow Kawakami, him. Kawakami, he ain't the doesn't let him prosper. You have to actually Oh no, 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 no. Wolf doesn't let him prosper. We don't let him prosper, bro. I believed in him too long. Yeah, nah, he's also injured him for no reason. You man are harsh, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. Kawakami slander has been part of my. It's been a part of my artillery for years, bro. Uh, it just. It's either that or Zono. They both get slander for me, man. I can't take them either. At some points, I was just, nah, just quit. I was like, let just him stop. cook, man. Um, he couldn't he cook. play. The one time he started, man said, "Let me, let me let you lose your sensation in your fingers," which is basically the whole centerpiece of his pitch and style so ah it was it was tough for him i felt bad because that was basically his one moment in the season to shine and he had to give it up for foul mirror if i was him i would beef the author i would like <laughs> pop out the manga did it to tambo as well. him a couple of times is it's, it's rude well samba came back in the um season one final and they made him get injured too well, Tamba, Tamba's a dead baller, so we don't we don't respect Tamba. Facts. What? Nah, we know about you and Tamba, <laughs> Tamba's a dead baller, bro. I'm sorry. What, He's a, what did he say? He's a dead baller. He's done. Respect bro. the ace, please. Respect the <laughs> Respect that ace? Yo, Tamba's the biggest fraud in the entire series. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the biggest fraud. I, I heard I heard that he purposely got himself injured each time. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> he knew he was a bum. <laughs> oh, you guys are violating too much. I see what is that. <laughs> but um, I want to push back on the Okai point. I don't like him, but I'm just doing doubles. There's no need for that character, bro. Nah, I'm trying to be. You have to appreciate the. Um, I think it's pragmatism. He's he's trying to be realistic because obviously not every player is gonna be good. So should we not just focus and hone the plays that we know are good and super focus them so we know that we are at a level because we spend so much time on just this select bunch car away all the fat you know what i'm saying and i don't know i think i think he has um some truths in what he in his approach but again especially on the first watch it's really hard to like someone like him especially since he's he um he's like a direct opposite to kotoka who's he's very much a player's coach yeah. So, it, they did. I think they did a good job 
if you um if you're a first time watcher, you I don't think you'll you'll like him unless you're like your mind is built like that. I don't know. I absolutely hated him, bro. <laughs> I just dislike the way he went about things. I like his message is definitely not like I'm not so adverse to his his actual message because with the time you have with players and it's such a short period of time to really elevate um player skill set to then make them first team players and make them real great members who can contribute to the team that is it's tough so I understand his like his idea and the the logic behind it what I didn't understand was the savagery in which like he spoke like these people weren't worth anything because if he he doesn't understand that if that the strictness to which he holds these ideals will make him lose out so much because you wouldn't get people like um Watanabe he would have been cut out and Watanabe is the unsung hero hero he's the reason why people are winning games and he he don't he wouldn't rate that you know what I mean that's a good point that's a good point so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Ochi here because here's the issue I understand his initial introduction wasn't correct but you know sometimes you just need to let the culture seep into you before it changes your mind like I would say at first we didn't like him but when you look at what he really brought to the table look at the players he developed bro the fact that Sawamura is ace now I promise you 50% of it goes to OGI 50 because look at all the whole his whole pitching toolkit the repertoire the change up the numbers all comes from OGI bro so in terms of technical coaching, my man's second to none. Now, if as a as a as a head coach, I'd say no. Ochi is not a good head coach, but as an assistant manager, he's the best. I would say he's the best in the entire country, like by far. Like look what look what he's done, man. I look, would at, agree. look at the people he shaped. Look what he did to Fourier. Look what he did to Salmora. When it comes to a pitching coach, he's like he's like uh, he's like Ray Allen shooting coach, or like Kyle Corbett shooting elite settings right there. That's, that's what I'm saying. So you, if you look at Alex Ferguson, you know he's a passion merchant. He's a dictator. But then you look in the background, you know you have. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> you have, oh my goodness! You have the assistants that have real tactics, like Rennie Mullenstein and, and Carlos oh. Kilo. Oh. The real brains behind the operation. You know these things happen. <laughs> and I love Toko. I love him, bro. That's coach, man. That's 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 Shogun. That's boss. But he's a passion merchant. <laughs> it's the truth. We have to. We have to. We have to open up the facts. He did not get to the nationals until Ochi slid in. Then in Watanabe, of course. But that you know, you gotta have a good backroom staff to get to the nationals. So that's fine. No, you are speaking facts. He ain't lying. He is stupidly like good with relaying information and improving teams. And he doesn't play improving players. He doesn't do like too much. He kind of just hints and points you in the right direction and then you develop the skills that you didn't even know you had which is like the best form of coaching because some coaches it feels like they, they're trying to walk you through every step but he's not trying to walk you you're not a kid he's like i'm going to point you in this way now develop and surprise me exactly I, I, and the thing is he grows on you a lot i think the more he understands that kotoka is a, a, a like elite man manager like if you guys play FM, he's got like twenty man management. Like the guys, he's at the he's top shelf. 
So then OGI is like, all right, well, I can't ever win players over the way the coach does, but I can gen- I can develop the players and then they will use what I've developed to the max, basically to their max capability through Kotoka's, you know, man management, which I think makes them a dynamic duo. I feel like Kotoka wouldn't be anywhere without OGI, but I also think OGI wouldn't be anywhere without Kotoka either. So to me, I only see them two together, but if for the sake of the debate, you know, like OGI, my goat, bro, my goat. Mm. Good points for good points for Ochai, and I think the point you made about him and Katoka um, completing each other's a great one, especially because when you have the inter squad match where you have Ochai leading the first string and then Katoka with the second string guys who are really wanting to break in, you see the difference in the way they're able to generate morale within the troops where Ochai, he didn't really have much to say in his speech, but Kotoka, he said like one or two lines and the guys were fired up. He said, he said, I forgot what he said. He was like, are you ready to take on, are you ready for this or something like that? But he, he got them motivated and that's what does excel at. He, he gets the, um he knows what to get someone fired up. So they're ready to play to the best of their ability. So he might not have the technical skills to help players, but he does, he still does have some, because obviously he taught Saramur the pitching form to begin with, and that is the foundation for his growth. But in terms of anything further, we didn't really, we don't really see much from him. That's a fair point. Mm, okay, and moving on from the coaches, I want to talk about our pitches for Sado. So obviously, Saramur we've seen his development, but when I was rewatching this time, I, was, I actually respect Furia a lot more than I previously. Had. Because the first time when I was watching, I was like, oh, why did they always, like, love Furia? But I can understand why Furia gets a lot of love now. Because in that Seiko match, especially, he showed me that he's a warrior. I can't lie. Oh my he's days. definitely a warrior. Yeah, he bore uh, down that game. Hey, he, he showed himself. I'm go- I'll am go for this, for this one. Because I think what he showed is the resilience and also that the team spirit. Where, especially when he turned around, he looked at the team, he put his... You know, his hand on his chest and he was like, okay, that boy's got my back, I'm ready. And he was injured as well, but he was still fighting through. They were getting hits. Even He even blocked one of the, um, someone hit his um pitch and he blocked it with his body. And that was the moment when I was like, yeah, okay, I have to, I have to respect him because he's exhausted. He's basically finished, but he's still willing to do whatever he, what needs to be done to get that last ace. And his performance in the Yakushi match, he was only there for one inning, but you could tell he was he was not gonna let this game get out of control. He just came in, got business done. They didn't even they didn't even let you, you know, they didn't even drag it out. They just started playing music and they just he took all of them out swiftly. So uh, I respect Fourier. But that's where it stops. Because (laughs) (laughs) that's the the best way I can describe it, bro. I have tried so long to like Fourier and I just don't like him. Like it's 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 like my man delivers, but at the same time, it's like you're either gonna get top shelf elite Fourier or you're gonna get fraud Fourier. Like you're there's no middle ground with this guy. And that's my issue with him. Like 
And maybe it's because Sawamu is my favorite character and he's my son, so I just naturally have a hatred for him. But it's like when to see someone come from to see someone who has like a talent that can be refined and they have spent all that time to refine it, and you see Fourier just come up in here and just basically brainlessly throwing the ball for like a season and a half to the point where okay, Miyuki can coach him out of it a little bit, but he's still basically that same pitcher all the way throughout. It seemed it seems like he doesn't have a bag. He seems like the Giannis of pitchers, you know, in in, in a sense hey, where it's like, don't yo, do Giannis like that. I love Giannis. I love Giannis. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love Giannis. You know, he's, that's Nigerian. Greek, Nigerian brothers. You know, but at the same time, it's like I can't get on board with Furia because maybe I don't like his personality. Hmm. Maybe I need a little more pizzazz. Maybe I need a little more charisma. But like my man just lacks that that energy that I need from my pitcher. Yeah. And when I look at people like Amahisa, Amahisa is my favorite pitcher in the series. Ooh, that's my guy. You know what I mean? It's like Amahisa's bag is so deep, it's unnatural. But it's like the way he goes about it. It's like the charisma. It's like that, it's like that genius and that oblivious genius where he's like, he's talking trash about the people he's striking out, and he's like continuously going, like he's calling Zono ugly, then striking him out. I'm just like, yo, man, like. I need that energy, and Fourier is just a quiet. He's a quiet lad. I don't like the quiet lad syndrome. I don't need that. I need loud mouths, or I need cocky, one or the other, and that's really where it is. So Fourier, yes, I respect him. I respect his ability. I respect what he did um, in Seiko, especially where he showed a little graft, a little passion. I, I was here for that. Um, but Sam Moore always shows graft and passion. So to me, it's something I've seen before. So you don't impress me, and that's it. Yeah, Saramora is definitely the passion merchant. And I think that's kind of why I also kind of hear what you're saying. Like, I really deeply understand it because when you put him next to Furia, like, Furia just seems, like, dead and dry. It's like, what do you actually bring apart from, like, your immense talent and your immense power? Like, he's not somebody you feel can really lead as the ace because he needs somebody else around him who can bring that kind of energy because you can't actually you know see him bringing that energy consistently it's like only one off and like he never talks really rarely speaks he's all about kind of like the bigger mission of being the best i feel like sometimes he wants to be the best more than he wants to be kind of like a team player and with um Samura, you do get the oh i want to improve i want to be the best i can be but you also get the crazy drive where it's like i'm pushing to get this team and be the best for these teams like i want to be the ace for this team for 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 your um um for you it's like i just want to be the best you know what i mean and I, mm, that's why he's kind of he's he's not really likable you don't gravitate to them. He doesn't have that charm, the charisma. He doesn't have anything that is really distinct and kind of transcends beyond just being able to throw a ball really well. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair. What about you, Ed? Yeah. yeah, to be fair, I, was, I wanted to defend him, but I agree to an extent because... Oh, I like him, the defense. He's still wavy, though. He's still wavy. I can't lie. He's I, wanted to, I wanted to, but sometimes... Uh, when going through the season, this is my first watch. I just found him bland sometimes. I'm just like, I just want more. Like, <laughs> there's something missing. That's why mm. I feel when I, when I like when Bro is on the screen, I can't lie to you. There's something missing. There's no one can doubt his talent. 
I feel. He might be inconsistent sometimes, but he's a talented, talented pitcher. He's amazing. Like, I actually love him so much when it comes to his um, ability, but there's something missing. I, I can't, like, get that out of my head. So choosing a pitcher is almost, like, easy for me. Like, Samaru is just amazing. His character, his his drive, everything. And I felt like he just wanted to be the ace more. Um, Like, what was your say? I think, like, Freo was just like, you know what? I just want to be the best. I want to be, I want to be, I think he focused more on improving himself um, than sometimes like, okay, how can I push the team forward? And uh, I want to defend him a lot, but I don't know. I, I think I agree with Rochelle and um, Jay on this, on this one. Sometimes I, mean, I that, really wanted him to be scummy. I'm sorry, Jay, carry on. You wanted him to be scummy? Yeah, like sometimes, you? occasionally I'm like, Throw the ball at the batter. Just smack him in his arm. <laughs> let him feel, like, let him fear you. Let him not want to come near this. Like, sometimes I wanted him to be, like, dirty, that guy. But he's always, like, straight centre. You know, straight yeah. to the point. I, I thought if the uh, if they give him, like, a personality, like, you no, know, he starts to dislike Samaruma, Samaruma even more. And just, like, beefing him. I felt I've changed his character so much. Like, I thought it was just... Like I said before, bland. Give him something. Like, you know what? Give him some of a hatred. Or not a hatred, but like yeah, such an intense rivalry that like, you know what? I don't want to be seen in the same place. But something, just another personality trait, but just lacked it and just fell flat sometimes. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I can't really dispute what anything of you, what you guys are saying. Because, I mean, he is quiet, but as a quiet person myself, that's why I feel like maybe I'm more drawn to him. I do like Tarmora way more, but I can I can appreciate the quiet side as well. Um, very not everyday hyper, but uh, I think we'll talk about Tarmora now because everyone here we all love Tarmora, and I guess it, I guess this is just your chance to just talk about how much you like or dislike what happened to him this season, how he grew. And the steps that he's taken. So, anyone who ever wants to profess their love first can go. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about my son. Um, you know, there is no to me. There's no MC in sports. <laughs> in sports, I, I'll include real life sports as well. My LeBron, I don't care who, bro. That's, wow, that's, wow, bro. Old listen, old listen, I've never loved a character more in my life than Sal Moore, bro. I, I'm certain of it. This man, the definition of the grind, the definition of learning to be self-aware, the definition of being just an ignorant child and the growth. I don't want to I don't want to go too far ahead because we're only talking about season two. But it's like the growth of this young man, bro, just it, it fills my heart with joy. Like, bro, when he learned that change up, bro, and then he threw it in that Oya match. I was ready to cry, bro. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to cry. I'm just like, look where my son came from. From the yips, everyone was counting him out. They were calling him a useless pitcher, bro. The, like, the deadness in his eyes. You know when he was, like, completely dead, but he's still running every single day. My boy is still running. He feels like he can't even throw a regular pitch. He's getting destroyed left, right, and center. He's still hustling. He doesn't even know, he doesn't even know how he's going to solve the situation, but he's still hustling. And I'm like, I wish I could be half the man this young man is. I wish. Because I would have given up. I would have been... Because it's like, yo, 
I can't even throw inside, and that's my entire game. Like, imagine being left-footed as a as a as a as a, as like a left winger, and you're a classic left winger, and all you can do is cross the ball, and you forget how to use your left foot. That's basically what happened to him, and he found a way to not only use his right foot, but then also to play on the right side, and then all of a sudden he can use his left foot. And now he's ambidextrous. Like I'm like, bro, I'm, like, I'm looking at this man develop, and I'm like, this is. This is why, honestly, I think I think it's because of Salamura that I slander Furia so much, because I just don't see what I see in Salamura than what I see in, in Furia. I just don't see it, and I don't think I'm ever going to see it. And all I'm going to say is next season, that big moment, we all know what we're talking about. When that happens, oh yes. bro, son, when I tell you tears were in my eyes, bro, like flowing everywhere, like I just couldn't take it, bro. I couldn't take it because you saw the journey from the very beginning to the very end, and he deserved every single thing he achieved, everything. There's no way you can say Salomura got lucky. There's no way that you can say Salomura got some plot armor BS. No, he earned every single W that he took, and there's nothing that, as a man, we can't appreciate more than earning your Ws. Nothing. And that's it, bro. That's the best way I can describe it. That's my son. That's my blood, man. Hey, that was yeah, a sermon. That was a sermon. I loved every moment of it. It was perfection. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As a, as a main character, Tamara, I don't know. Like Jay said, I felt like he's such a complete main character. I don't like. There's no way you can say like uh, this just because it's the main character that this happened. This guy suffered. <laughs> it was hard to watch the first few episodes. Like, this, oh, where's my guy? Where's his gun? And the way he just develop, develops, like to the end where it becomes the eight, and like I felt proud. And it's very hard to feel proud of like main characters, in my opinion, because like it feels like everything's handed to them. But this guy worked his ass off to be in this like the position he is now. And there's no one that can argue like he doesn't deserve it. And just it just makes me feel happy. He's he's such a well written character. Like it, I, it's not much more I can say, but the praise is just infinite. I love him. I actually love him as a main character. He's going to like my top five main characters of all time. Just the way I don't know what they put crack in that character, bro. He's so good. He is amazing. For me, the the greatness of Sawamura is is definitely his ability for you to kind of feel everything he's feeling. And it feels like you walked the path with him. And that's why you kind of get so tied in and emotional and like driven. And when he's doing well, it feels like you're doing well. And you're, you're just sitting there and you're like, you, you want to scream, you want to shout. I don't know. That's why, like you said, the, compa- the comparison with Furia, like it, it, there is no comparison because he doesn't enable you to feel those kind of things. Whereas he kind of, empowers you or drives you to feel every run every step every throw every time that he felt down he didn't think he was going to make it and you know sometimes when he's feeling down and he's joking but you know deep down behind that joke like is real pain he's like he's wondering if he's good enough he's he's deeply trying to analyze and, and being self-aware and he's like is my abilities good enough to take me to where i want to be and throughout the series, you also sometimes question it. You're like, can we actually see the end of the tunnel? Can we, can we get to where he needs to get to to be 
the ace and wear that number and be number one and be the kind of man to lead this baseball team into like a new era. And when he continues to take these kind of steps and you're stepping with him, there's no way you can't feel like pride and real joy because he's the underdog and he was the underdog from like the beginning. You see he has elements of his game that could and does have potential to like take him somewhere. But you know that it's not clear cut. You know that just because these elements are there, we might like not see the end. We are not be able to get the results we want. So when he gets there and when he delivers and when, do you know that moment that it hit me fully was um, when the teammate said, you're getting reliable. I was like, come on, my guy, we've, we've made it. Because that's, that's what he wants. He wanted to be someone that his teammates could rely on in the toughest moments, in the heat of the moments. He wants to be that guy and say, look, I'll put it on my back. You know what I'm going to bring to the table. And yeah, he is why I love this series. And I think he, when I look at it deeply, he is the reason why, you know, this series c- carries so much, you know, special. You know, it's so special because of him and his storyline and the fact that you you just don't know if he can beat and conquer the adversity he's going through. And when he, when he does and makes his, his strides, you're like, oh my guy, you I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like before I echo everything you guys said, the thing that I really appreciate about Saomura, and it's probably why he, I like Ashito in Awashi so much, is Absolutely. one, one the, grind. the grind. These guys are always working hard. And just being a good teammate, Saomura, he's... Even when he's in the bullpen, he's cheering on his his teammates. When Kawakami's pitching, he's got the water ready for him. Uh, he's always doing the most to let his teammates know. Uh, every time he goes onto the mound, he's saying, oh yeah, balls are going to come flying your way, so be ready to back me up. Just including everyone in. And one of my favourite moments from this season is when he lets Furio know, he's like, oh, what are you doing? This, the coach has left you in because he believes in the ace. I want to be there, but I understand why the coach has not called me yet because he he believes in you. And even though he has that intense rivalry with Furia, he still acknowledges Furia's ability and knows that sometimes the situation doesn't call for me. But I know that if you're not doing well and the coach hasn't pulled you, I trust the coach. But if you don't understand that, let me tell you that. And that moment is like... It just shows how every it just shows how um how team centered he is. It shows it shows the leadership qualities because no one else was up. Uh, everyone was thinking, oh yeah, what's going on with Furia? Like he's going, he's why hasn't the coach pulled him? And he he just shouts it out. Everyone's just looking at him. He doesn't care what people think. He's willing to say it because he knows that's what that's what the case. And seeing his growth in the pitching styles from inside to outside now he's got both and then he's got the change tempo and then he's got that reverse which seems like it's going faster seeing that development with the pitches was really rewarding because of how i guess in season one he really only had that one pitch and the moving one but just mm-hmm. to see him gather that 
bag, as we call it, and to utilize it, especially in the Yakashi matches, when we see in the practice situation where they completely obliterated him. So now he can hold his own. It was so rewarding to see. And for season three, there's just one one moment early on that I'm waiting for because that was vindication. When I saw him performing, it was episode 15 of season three. I'll never forget it because that was, oh, that episode was amazing. But we're talking about season two, so let me not get ahead. Yeah, let me let, let me let me get there first. Let me get to three. Then we'll have a discussion again. Definitely need you to get there, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's kind the of... best moment in the series for me. Whoa, okay. okay. Do you Say mind that. uh do you mind if I ask a, a quick question? Mm-hmm. Okay. What yeah, is uh, what, what what was everyone's favorite Salamora moment in season two? Mm. I think or for me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll say almost memorable one, either either one. Um, I think for me is when he was accepting the ace uh, mantle and his hand was shaking. Uh, I don't know the emotion to me was just at a, at a high. It was, it was. I almost cried, man. It was, it was, it was, it was really beautiful. I think I was a beautiful. That's the word I'm looking for. A beautiful moment when he was accepting that ace mantle. And that was was what match was that? You know, when he was um, accepting the ace mantle when they gave it to him and his hands were shaking. I think that was really good. Oh, season oh. three, though. Yeah, that's season three, I'm pretty sure. That's season three? That's definitely season yeah. three. As in, Don't when he, he played too. as Ace? Or... Nah, Don't tell me you watched Act 2, Ed. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Daniel, I told you. I did that. Daniel, <laughs> this is a real thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's a real thing. That's mad I'm not <laughs> nah, that's so funny because Vajol just said that at the beginning oh, yeah he literally said I'll never forget the season <laughs> <laughs> oh no I think I watched this in two guys <laughs> I did that too hey, fam we... oh we got off to freestyle then uh, okay well my favourite moment from season two <laughs> nah, that's oh, too funny <laughs> Nah, did you actually watch season three, Ed? Okay, I guess that's my fault for not telling you, but there's an, it's literally called Diamond A second season. I because when I was watching, I was watching on this um website. I just literally when I finished season season one, I just went to next, and that's what you're showing. I started watching it. That happened well, to let me, me. Let me it ask went you, to Act Two. Did it, did it start with Nationals, Ed? Yeah, I think it did. Oh, okay. Yeah, you definitely watch season three. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's that's fine. We'll 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 we'll, we'll improvise. We'll improvise. Um, but I guess I can. Because I was that. getting a little confused what you guys were saying. I was like, maybe I just forgot the season properly. But like, I was just gonna keep hanging on. But I think I watched it. Yeah, skip the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's funny. But um, well, my favorite moment for Saramura this season. Probably when he realized that he can pitch inside again. Because that was, it was just so nonchalant where he just did it. Where he's just like, okay, I'm a pitch outside. And then I'll pitch inside to throw him off, to finish him off with an outside pitch. And everyone's just like, whoa, he just threw inside. And it's like, he's finally over this yips. This has been holding him down. It's really been hindering his growth. But it actually kind of helped him. 
because now he developed the outside pitch, which gives him more options and has actually helped him develop as a pitcher. So that was my favorite from season two. Was that the time in the bullpen or the actual game? It was just before the game. So Kurumochi was like, oh yeah, let me let me act as a batter for you. And then he was catching, throwing it to Miyuki. Like yeah. episode 10, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah, it was a very big moment, actually. That was actually a very good moment. Because he didn't even know it, bro. He was just he was just talking. He was like, yeah, and then here's the inside pitch. And he just threw it. And everyone's like, did you? I was like, did he just do that? I was like, no. He did it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's the, I mean, but that's the beauty of it, man. He didn't even know he'd overcome it. Yeah. That's how, that's how driven this kid is, bro. It's just like, for him, it's just like, it's a part of his soul, like baseball, pitching sequence, everything that he tries to learn, he makes sure it's embedded in his soul, bro. And that's when you can really rely on him. It's just that when he thinks too much, that's when he starts messing up. But when he's not, bro, when he's like, yo, it's just me, Miyuki, and the, and the batter, bro, that's when he's at his absolute best. I love that guy. Yeah, I think my favorite part was or, of him in this season was probably the game versus Nanamuri when he gets the start and like he he kind of understands how far he's come but also understands that there's more he can give and there's more um potential in his game and just understanding his kind of what versatility in his game makes him such a better pitcher and he'd be able to consistently hit outsides but also um, bring that inside game and also you know do that change up he just kind of understand understood and really saw his own progression in that moment and I just love it when he has validation standing on that mound and he's like yeah I can do this ish I can, I'm that guy I can be the person who performs and lead the team and in that moment I saw it clear and I feel like he saw it clear he was like yo this mound, I might, I might never leave. I might just, I might stay here. Knowing him, he's so stubborn. He'll probably stay there after the game's end, just chilling. So, okay, Jay, what about you? What was your favorite moment from Samira? Whew, there's a few, man. Um, I have very memorable ones. There's one in season one, so I won't mention that one. And then there's one in Act Two that I think everyone would agree with. I, I, I won't mention that one, although. Uh, our boy Ed already watched that one, so maybe, maybe I can mention that. <laughs> boy, you can, bro. I fumbled the bag, so you can talk. <laughs> so I, I guess for the sake of it, because it is kind of close, but um, when he came on for uh, Furia against Ichidai. Yes, sir. Oh, that's, that's what I was talking about. Oh, my God, bro. That is, to me, I just, I don't know, man. I saw I saw Nazario, bro. I saw R9 on on the mound. That day, I, I was so proud of the fact that everybody saw, wait a minute, they have this pitcher on the bench? Like, why didn't he not put him on earlier? Even the coach, for me, was the moment when the coach realized, damn, I really messed up. <laughs> it was like, I really, yeah. really messed up. Like, mm-hmm. I've been holding this animal back for how long? What's wrong with me? Hmm. They were sleeping with their eyes open, bro. Like, I was so I was so mad watching that match because I'm like, he's thinking it up. Thinking it up just trash and that's why again it's one of those moments where it's like every time you want to root for Fourier, he just pulls out some fraudulence and you're just like man you're wasting my time bro like he does it so much but then Sawamura comes in and just 
carries. And I'm just like, bro, look at my son hoop. Put my son in the game. Like, yo. I was like, I, I, he's turned me into LeVar Ball. Like, I'm telling you. That moment was actually elite. I can't lie. It was incredible. Uh, that, that was definitely my favorite. That was definitely my favorite. Mm. Okay. So the the act the act three act three um act two even tangent aside we'll go we'll go on to just some brief thoughts on what we think about just the new team before we talk about the autumn tournament and I know since you haven't actually seen the tournament it might be a bit hard for you to comment I, I'll try I'll try and break it down for each match as we like talk about it before but yeah. So I need, to, I need to humble my. I need to like regain my my credibility. We have to have this discussion again. I can't lie to you, man. <laughs> we have to have this discussion again. Because wow, <laughs> I fumbled the bag too, bro. I did the exact what? same thing. Did the you exact did. same thing. That's what's but it funny. Daniel saved me. <laughs> Daniel, like, I think I was that's like, he told me. He told me. That's why I didn't realize. Because <laughs> the jump was like this. This seems like a huge. Huge difference between season one, but I was like, I, 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 I'm gonna keep it going because I, I was like, I need to hurry up and catch up, hurry up and catch up. So I'm gonna keep it going. Then we started talking. I was like, What are you man? I can't be this forgetful. But I was like, What are you man talking about? I was like, Nah, I feel like I understand what's going on. Then <laughs> so we asked the question, like, What's the best moment? I was like, yeah, fumble the bag, but we moved. Yes, sir. So I guess for me, the the second years and the first years, the characters we're introduced to, I guess, like my Zono and Shirasu. Well, Shirasu was already there, but my Zono was really the and uh, or Tojo and Kanemaru. Um, who else was there? What's his name? Higasa. Yeah, they were they were cool. I don't I don't I think it was it wasn't really that hard for me to adjust from like the third years leaving. Because they, they left so quickly anyway, so it wasn't really they didn't really give you um much time to, you know, miss them because they were like, Okay, new team now. So yeah. I think it was only I mean, they weren't as likable, you could say, but we already knew about Kanamaru, so I wasn't too I wasn't I wasn't really I didn't really have a problem with the new team. Obviously they they were lacking in the, the batting strength, but that will come. I would say with the, I love the third years a lot. I love them dearly because they were just all so reliable. But I think it was nice to see who who would step up. So at, at, for a while, it took me a while to really like like these guys. But I always like Kanemaru just because of how his relationship with Samura. And one I liked immediately, I like Tojo. Like I don't know what it is about Tojo. So wait, but I just I like I just liked him immediately. And then to see that he's boys with Kanemaru, who is also my boy, and you know, you know, everybody said the Wamura, like the Wamura is it, bro. That's the nickname, <laughs> Wamura. You can't never get happy when he says Wamura. But um, I think Tojo, knowing that he was a really good pitcher, but then being such one a reliable batter, like I always, if there's one thing I respect in Asa Diamond is I respect reliable batters, which is why I think Suraishu is hella underrated. I think Suraishu mm-hmm. is just. Yeah, you just need him. He does what you need him to do, and that's all you ask for with him, bro. I'm gonna get the job done, and that's why I love Shiraisu. And I, the way I see Tojo, I see him as like a mini Shiraisu, in the sense that he doesn't really make mistakes. He just gets the job done. 
So having I, I respect the reliable fielders, like the ones that are at six, seven, eight, bro. Just, just get your bat to the get uh get your bat to the ball. You know, if they get you out, it is what it is, but you didn't strike out. And so I like Kanamaru, I like Shiraisu. Uh, obviously we all love um Haruichi, Miyuki, you know. Uh, I think the hardest one for me to love was Zono. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um I've talked about Zono Slander for a while. It just seemed like I think he had Tamba syndrome, where it's like you feel like he should be doing something, but he never seemed to do anything. But as I rewatched it, it's like I don't think I think they made more of a meme about Zono's failures and the fact that he actually was pretty good that year. So it's like they they highlighted Zono's failure as a joke and as a gag, and I get it. But I think it also negatively affected my view of Zono. Not to mention he is a little annoying. There, so maybe screaming too much. He yeah, screams he's, all he's the time. Way too hot headed. Like he's way never too hot headed. I'm like, bro, what are you doing most of the time? And the character design wasn't even raw either. Like, bro, he looks like he's 72 on a high school team. So I'm like, okay, there's that. And like, I guess the one you would want to compare him to was Masuko, who was my man, you know, Uga. But you were expecting Zono to be a power hitter and to hit the home runs. And all he really was was, you know, what was he? A hit to the left merchant or whatever, mer- yeah. whatever it is, bro. Yeah. He, he seemed very one dimensional. Like he didn't really have a bag as a hitter. And, you know, I think that, that negatively affected him. I like the new team overall, but there's with the team last year, I liked everybody. And with the team this year, there are some people where I was just like, eh. And I think that's that's the only comparison I would make. No, I definitely agree. The team last year was um you kinda they they you feel like all the cover um all the characters were beloved. All the characters like you enjoyed their presence and you understood why they were needed and it felt like it felt like even though we were meeting them for the first time they are established they know their job they know who they are everybody understands their role everybody understands what kind of character and what they bring to the team and they already have that rapport with each other but obviously with um regarding the new new team i think the why it's so distinct is because there's the previous year they had an established ace and I think having one established ace kind of changes the game. Like you have a vocal point and you, to some extent you're not really disjointed because you're, you have one focus. But regarding this year's, when you have two people fighting for that ace position and it's never really kind of settled and you're relying on a relay of um, pitches, which is so unusual, because it doesn't breed consistency you kind of get that inconsistency throughout the whole team in some kind of dynamics and it kind of breeds or is shown more in different characters and so and definitely shout out to tojo because that time he got um benched (laughs) for one of the third years i forgot what match i was vexed i was like why is he not playing because he's such a baller yeah, yeah. Mr. Consistent. Yeah. Yeah, um Tojo he's he's pretty consistent. And Shirasu too, I like Shirasu. He's he's a silent but he I think the moment where I really was like, Yeah, that's my guy was during during the Yakushi match in the final. So basically I think Sanada or one of the um Yakushi batters, they hit a they hit one of the pitches and it's going into the right field and if it lands they're gonna score a run. And Shirasu, he 
catches it and because he realizes okay yeah Miyuki's injured so we have to step up and he's like oh yeah I never realized how um invaluable Miyuki is to the team and him you know stepping up and showing yeah when I'm on the on the outfield there's no hits that's getting passed I was like yeah he's wavy man I have to rate him no they're definitely top tier and I feel like this um year's first year's really put emphasis on stepping up and being you know ready for the big moments and you you never saw a moment where they're kind of holding back they were always, you know, there's, it can't, sometimes when you see how much more talented some people are, you kind of stop pushing your own self because you're like, I can rely on them and I don't have to be as good. But you never know when like your day will come and you have to, you know, start and you have to play and you have to um, make something of your situation that can enable like your team to get the victory or play a part in the victory. But these first years, they were always on the grind. They were always putting work. Sometimes I feel like they put too much work in. I've been telling Daniel that these players are overworked because they be training. How can you finish a game and then go and train some more? I'm like, bro, go to bed, sleep, eat some rice, chill. They never relax. They eat too much rice, to be honest. They really do. Makes my stomach hurt sometimes. <laughs> so man had three bowls of rice. Well, they make you eat three bowls, isn't it? They say you you can't go to you can't leave until you eat your three servings. So to be fair, um, I've recently started training this year. Well, I would say like over the last six months, and after a workout, like a hard a hard intense workout, you actually need to eat that much carbs to actually feel right. Otherwise, your body is like completely out of energy. So I get it now. The carbs is solely for the fact for them to maintain energy levels. And that's it. Like the more you get used to it, the more your body adapts. So it becomes like a machine where they're always running, sprinting, cutting corners, all that stuff. So like I get it. But from like people like us who are kind of just chilling and have one bowl of rice and we're full, (laughs) it makes you nauseous. (laughs) It really does. Yes. Um, Okay. So. What I was going to do is talk about just the tournament, um, just some of our favorite matches from the tournament. Now, obviously, <laughs> Ed is unable to give his favorite match, but I guess for the first um, point of discussion with the autumn tournament is, um, so Ed, basically, during the um, preliminary stages as we go into the finals, Zeta was set to face off against Inishiro in a rematch in the okay. third round. And basically, they lost. So, Sado got to cruise by, or they got a blight because they didn't have to face in a show because they lost to a team that they didn't expect to lose to. So, what um, Rajal asked me is, do you think Sado were lucky to avoid the rematch with Inishiro? Mm. Obviously, I haven't watched it, but it seems with uh, it depends how well they gelled with the new first years and everything so I think they might have been lucky depending on how well initially also jogged with the first years. So it's a it's a good point of maybe like avoiding like a very, very hard match. My kind of understanding of it was it was gonna be so Inishiro are definitely the best team and I think they're one of those teams on their day they get it right, they win the whole tournament. 
and there's mm. I don't think there's anybody on their level talent wise, and even their coach, their coach is top tier. He's elite, elite. Because imagine how hard it is just to imagine um to manage that kind of a talented roster. Like that's crazy. And he they listen to him and they take his words as as law. He's stone cold with it. And I don't think Sado in that moment in time were ready for a team like that. And we know, looking at the timeline, regarding when people were kind of drastically improving and being starting to be consistent, they their players were not ready to match up against that kind of firepower and that kind of the, even their field. Oh my days! I can. It would have been a slaughter. And what, especially with um, um Fury's injury, I don't think um Samura had defeated his demons enough to face or face that. I think, do, do you know what they reminded me of? They remind me of the Golden State Warriors with KD. They, you know, as soon as you pull up to them, bro, do you know when you pull up to them and you're already mentally defeated? And that's, that's what I think would have happened to Sado. They would have pulled up and they would be like, oh my days, look at this team. And whatever the work they put in to come correct for that match, I don't think it would have been enough because as soon as um, May starts doing some strikes, as soon as they start getting some runs, as soon as, as soon as a little bit goes their way, mentally they're already beaten. And that's why I believe it was they got so lucky because they were not ready at that moment in time i think further on they get better and there's consistency and you're like oh they i can see where they match up but in that moment i think it was was it the quarterfinals or the semis they were the match up even before though probably so they were the match was early this match up they weren't winning that nobody was ready for that game i think uh i see it differently actually um <clears throat> the reason i think it's different because i think Inashiro were overconfident already against Ugamori. And Naramiya would have been even more overconfident coming up against Sato. I was like, oh, you guys don't have Tetsu. He was the only one I was really worried about. And then he was, obviously, he would remember what happened with Sawamura and all the other ones. But you have to look at the overconfidence that they all had, the lack of Harada. The fact that Harada was a very, very big part of them coming back in the first place. Like, I just feel as though Inoshiro did not have the mentality to face Sato, and I think Sato would have had the mentality to grow enough in that game because people forget. These guys beat Tato in the first round. Like, I hope we don't forget that they beat Tato in the first round and they were still kind of babies then. Mm. Like, Tato, um, when they actually faced off um, again in the spring tournament, I think, Tato and, Tato and Inoshiro was a very, very strong match, you know, and like, they're playing in the rain. They're playing with, against all these other obstacles. Like, if they can beat Tato, they're clearly good enough to at least match Inoshiro with Inoshiro's mental deficiencies and a motivated Sato to get back at them. Like, don't forget that you may say they're not ready, but I believe that they could have got the boost just from remembering the pain that they went through and remembering the winter camp, remembering all the fights that they've had with Zono and Yuki, all the stuff that they've gone through. I think they... I think... Inoshiro was lucky they didn't actually face Sato because it would have been worse if they lost to Sato. I actually think it would have been worse. No, yeah, I was just going to say, I think um, it's, it's a bit of an interesting one because 
I believe Inishiro was overconfident because Ugimori is an unknown team and they were just like, oh yeah, these are these guys are nobodies and we're ready for the the real matchup. They were looking at they were looking too far into the future. But I also think that because Saomura had developed the outside pitch and he's not just an inside guy, they might be think they they would be thinking, okay, we already broke this guy because he hit Cheryl Cow and he broke down. But now since he's got that extra um, asset to use, he doesn't always have to focus on the um, inside because what he did is he he basically stood at the very edge. So like if he had, um if he fought within his control, he was hitting Cheryl Cow. But now he doesn't have to worry about that because he, he has that option. So I think they did all get better in that off season for them to um be able to beat in and as you did mention Jay that they did beat Tato and Salmer was basically just thrown to the outside versus Tato and they still managed to they still managed to beat them pretty handily. So yeah so it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I I wouldn't be mad if you would say that Sado could beat them. So yeah. I think the thing for me that like really pushes um, Sado towards a loss is the fact that they didn't have the kind of ace or the kind of individual in the team that um, Ugumori had at ace. Like he was pushing and running their agenda. And I don't think anybody in Sado's team is a menace like that. I don't think they had enough. Like in that moment, it was him alone that pushed them to make stupid mistakes. And I know that they have that kind of vanity and that big headedness and that they kind of, you know, they really deep down just feel like they're better than everybody. But sometimes that talent is enough when going against certain, um, certain teams. And going against Sado, I think their talent would be enough to win that game because nobody in Sado's team could actually give it to them not in terms of like talent or gameplay or match play, but give it to them mentally that they have to get off their game because it's a ment- it was a mental game why they lost. Mentally, they were pushed in a way they've never been pushed, and they they started doubting themselves or started you know doing making decisions that they won't usually make. I don't think Sado is grimy like that. I don't think they're that type of team that are dogged in their approach. You know what I mean? I have to push back on that one because Furia was giving it to them in the first game. And when you have people like Kuromochi, Haruchi, who are stubborn with the baton, they'll make sure to tire out Narumiya. I do. I think they have players who will um make it difficult for me and put the pressure on him. And especially because they're trying out other pitches too. So they, it's not even you're going to get May first. They bought they bought in May second during in the Ugi Mori match, so I think they can definitely deal with the um other guy Hirano, and that will drag me out quicker. So I think I don't know. I think we need to give um the batting team some credit because Haruchi and Kuromochi that that's a that's a that's a key duo, elite duo. No, I'm definitely not saying I don't rate them. But it's kind of like moment. What's the delinquent ace's name again? Always like it always like slips. Remember, he. You know that play when they're um, 
I think it was their catcher was oh, on home base and did not touch him. But he still got caught out. And he whispered into man's ear, so composed, and said, like, first he congratulated, like, well done. But then he said, you didn't touch me, did you? Like, he spanned the whole situation around where that guy somehow lost confidence in himself. I don't think, I rate Seido's players. I don't think Seido are doing, doing things like that. I don't think they're mentally doing things where when they're in a losing position, they make you feel like you took the L. And he came out of there looking stronger. I was so confused. I was like, bro, even if like I didn't touch you and the umpire calls you um calls it out, that's a W. That's that's double that's double W's. How are you switching onto me? And that's why I think like they they don't have that kind of character where it's like, bro, this is this is grime season. We're putting it onto you. It's gonna be a dirty game if it has to be. Yeah, that's that. I think you, yeah, yeah. I think there's equal points to Unfur. So I can't. I think you do bring up a good point because Amemiel is he did exercise that pressure because he actually because he said that to Tadano. That's why he was even able to score that run because he faltered at the last moment when he was trying to receive the ball because he was thinking about okay, yeah, I didn't actually get him out. But you know, the game's the game, man. You can. Do anything to win. I know they'd be cheating in baseball anyway. So. <laughs> okay. So, I think what I want to do is, if we just go around, sorry, Ed, and you just give me your favourite match from the tournament or just the season in general, and then we can wrap this one up. Um, It'd probably have to be the Seiko match. Um... Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say the Yakuza match and it was excellent, bro, but for me, it's the the way it starts and the way it ends is perfection. The start off with the Sado roar from Miyuki, honestly, the most chills I've ever gotten, period, in the series is that Miyuki roar. Um, One, because you've never heard Miyuki get emotional like that. And I think just the way the anime delivered it. And he's like, yo, we are not kings, we're challengers. And then they cheered. And then you hear the whole crowd cheering, and then everyone's cheering. I'm cheering. I'm on my feet. I'm ready to fight. Like, everybody was ready. Like, everybody was ready for that match. But even the contents of the match, like, I think, is was his name Ogawa? Yes. So even the opponent, like, I liked Ogawa a lot. Like, when he started singing that anime song and pitching at the same time, I was <laughs> like, yo, man. <laughs> yo, I'm from my, yo, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, yo, Ogawa kind of cold. I was like, yo, Ogawa's kind of raw. Like, he waited. that little gravity ball pitch he had, bro, the weight of that pitch. I'm like, man, this guy is this guy's really good. And um, I'm also a huge fan of Nagata as well. Uh, uh, Nakata, their uh, their cleanup. He's hench, bro. For me, it's like, it's the swagger. Like, when he's on the pitch, you know, he holds the bat all the way down his back before he gets in the stance. I'm like, yo, man, this guy's serious. He's a serious hitter. Like, that whole team was a very, very serious opponent that I really was like, yo, these guys are genuinely scary. And just to see them overcome. And then, obviously, the final moment, like the home run, bro. Like, the commentator, I felt like I was listening to Peter Drury in Japanese. Mm. Like, the the guy really made the moment special, bro. Like, it's gone. <laughs> like, the ball's gone. And everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Yeah. Uh, 
that's my favorite match. That's my favorite match in the series besides Sato versus Inoshiro, the first one, because I think that match, that's the only match where I felt from from basically the first pitch, the last pitch, I was on the edge of my seat. But okay. for season two, yeah, definitely Seiko. Definitely. Is that what you want to do next? Yeah, yeah. I think um, my favorite match was Oya Metro versus Seido. Um I really liked their picture. I really liked um, Wakabayashi. I thought he was, he has, he, I feel like he's the most intelligent, intelligent pitcher I've seen so far. And he doesn't really rely on immense talent. He's not the biggest individual, doesn't have the strongest arm. He, he's moving like um, Tom Brady. Like he's, he's not that great at anything, but he's great at, you know, understanding the game and putting the ball where it needs to be. And he, he, his like high IQ analysis of the game and understanding of like where to throw, throw selection. He doesn't even get lost in his emotions. I love that. He doesn't, you know, deep the, the moment too much. So he's never like thrown off and he's so intentional, like pragmatic to a fault he he when even when something is going going wrong he's like that's within the means of what i thought like he's even like thought i remember there were um two two was it two runs down and he was like i didn't expect um i didn't expect to win by less than two or something like that and i was like bro he's just so composed and i kind of really liked that about him and that was kind of balanced with his teammates who you saw really had faith with him in him, but also were relaxed and, and kind of fun. And not like crazy fun like um some of the other teams we've seen, but in the way they're like sometimes they'll take the mix, like, oh, this, 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 this. They'll just just mock it a bit, just to kind of humble him. But I love that game for both him and Sado, because Sado, like, what a performance. And that's when I really saw Samamura's uh, like evolving as a player, and I think that's the first game he slapped that change up. I might be wrong, mm-hmm. yeah, but oh right. my days, when he slapped because the f- <laughs> this is what cracks me up about Samamura is that when the moment you think he's gonna produce, he always does something funny and stupid and flops. Like he will throw the ball like flat or super low and out and it'll be like a comedic moment you know what i mean everybody's like oh my days what's happening but then later on the game when it was integral to the win and in like the moment where it's like bro you have to be reliable change up smack okay three outs let's go oh i think that was my favorite match mm, yeah yeah one thing i have to say about another thing about Samuel, a clutch performer he's definitely a clutch performer anytime Anytime it's a high pressure situation, that boy delivers. And I had you said um Wakabashi is your most intelligent, but do you not think um Taiyo from Teto is more intelligent? Because man said 3D strike zone. Because yeah. how you can think that man. It's still hard for me to grasp. Okay, I think no, I hear that. Cause the first I was I think he's the so I think they kind of showed two different aspects of intelligence. I think um, Wakabashi is more intelligent in, intelligent in his overall perception of the game, as in overall understanding of 
um playtime um other teams the knowledge with hand signals what to expect um do you know he's a high q analyzer and he analyzes everything to a stupid degree where it, it feels like he has a play sheet in his head in how the game should go and usually most of the time it looks like it follows that kind of path but obviously sometimes you get surprised whereas um what's the other guy's name again Tayo. Yeah. Tayo, he he just he's just a special pitcher. Like he he's just an elite. Like he is Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Elite thrower of the ball. See stuff that probably nobody sees. Fitting the ball in where you're like, bro, does that even make sense? You know what I mean? I think it's definitely two different type of um game intelligence. Uh did you want to say something in response to his point? I was just agreeing with Tayo. That's it. I mean, I respect Tayo heavily, but I see his point. Either way, I see it. Okay. Um, and Ed, I want to ask your favorite match in season three. I know it's not in season two, but I just want to know what your favorite match in season three is. Um, the last, I think, it was the last match of the season. Um, of season three when he the one against um Todoroki's team. Hey, now you're confusing me because that was in season two. <laughs> I think I might have watched both seasons at the same time because I watched two different. I used two different um, websites. Okay, so you, 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 so you, you might have watched both, but you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Man is like man, mess right now. Man just watched Ace of Diamond. Just, just say that. Bigger <laughs> <laughs> season. Hey, he's built differently. Okay. He's mm, built differently. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you like the the Yakishi match then? Yakishi. Yeah. Hmm. Because I'm trying to go back. I've been trying to go back through the season, but I've done. I'm actually confused on where I went wrong. So, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um, for me, it's hard to pick a favorite one because I'm thinking about the Ugamori versus um Inishiro because I love the Narumi of Tears. Um, and then also Ichidai versus um Yakushi because Zanada is my he's my guy. I can't lie. But I think I'll probably I'll probably pick the Ugimori versus Seda because I really like Ugimori as a team. True underdogs. Um Imemia is a great captain. Um Ace, leader of the team. Um you can really tell that they're fighting their way to take down another giant in baseball. And just seeing them just seeing the way they duked out with Seda, I think they put up a good fight. So I respect them. Yeah, I hear that. But I think unless you guys have any other topics that you want to throw in, that we are approaching the end. So I will ask for your uh, just final thoughts, just anything that you didn't get a chance to talk about, you can talk about it now. So I'll, I'll call on I'll call on Jay first. Uh, I, the only thing I would really mention, um is I think the journey in season in the second season was the best in the series if you take if you take everything into account. Um just from a team building perspective, I think it was beautiful to see the team grow before your very eyes. Um I think Kanamaro's Kanamaro's story was really nice. I, I enjoyed his story quite a bit. Um 
I think Zaramora's recovery was awesome as well. But kind of just seeing Miyuki, like we always knew Miyuki was good, but seeing Miyuki become a talisman in every sense, like on and off the field, to me was like something that I know a lot of people appreciate, but something that I guess we never really harped on a lot. Like my man really, really became the shining light. And that last moment, bro, where he played injured, um, the scenes with him and Kuromochi and Kuromochi being so damn aware all the time, like always picking up on things before anyone else. And then at the very end when they beat Yakushi, for Sanada to see them carrying Miyuki, it was like, oh, we lost before the game started. <laughs> I was like, their talisman out here struggling, fighting for his life, and we still lost. Yeah, we were never going to win this match. <laughs> He's like, we were never going to beat Zato. We never were. That, 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 that's the, to me, that is like the culmination of the entire second season is just how far this team went to get where they needed to get to. So, yeah, man, I, I, I just, like I said, this to me, this season was the very lifeblood of uh, Vesa Diamond this whole second season. Nice you could. Nice you could. Rajel, your final thoughts, anything that you didn't get a chance to mention? Yeah, I think I wanted to shout out Watanabe again because I loved that storyline. And I think it was very significant in the fact that we're able to see like a deep dive into a perspective where, oh, this guy is definitely not going to get the opportunity to be a first team player and touch the field. And it's like, how motivated are you even knowing that you might not be able to get to your goal? But what part do you want to play? What, what is your legacy? How far do you want to push? And every day, like, what is your character? Are you going to grind or are you going to give up? So I love the perspective of, of that where he, he kind of was kind of fluctuating between deciding maybe I should fully quit. But also he knew in his heart, because even when he was quitting, he, they were still doing their daily um, hits. They were still going and practicing their batting. So he, like, even in his heart, he knew that, bro, I'm not ready to let this uh, dream die. I'm not ready to um, let this go. And I feel like, uh, like the other thing I really kind of stood out to me throughout the whole season was just kind of their delivery of other teens perspective and their drive and their reason for fighting and it sometimes you kind of got like deep into other people's storyline you're like bro i also want you to be successful because i know your road and your journey wasn't wasn't easy like when you look at um the guy in the wheelchair i think his name noi or now no yeah yeah he now now that bro his storyline and his like backstory and his strength of character to carry on and fight and kind of see his vision and his dream come through but in the position that he didn't expect to be in like he had an accident man's in a wheelchair and he's still trying to get to like the promised land he's still trying to fight and fulfill what he wants in the three years he has or and as a coach and stuff like that and just seeing how the he inspires the team around him and builds um kind of deep friendships throughout the years in middle school and then to their high school team like it's crazy sometimes you're you're watching this and you're you're like bro i know you have to lose because bigger picture 
I'm on I'm on I'm all side though, but I really feel for you. I don't deep down I know you're pulling out my heartstrings and that's what this series does so well. It really kinda makes every team seem significant and they have a significant dream and it makes it hard to see them obviously lose out on their dream. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's always sad when because they always build up the opposition and you feel you start, you know, slowly edging towards the side, but you know, like they can't get anything because we're always team Seder. But um, Ed, your final thoughts about anything that you didn't get a chance to mention, feel free to mention it now. Uh, my head's all over the place, man. I think I feel like I need to rewatch the whole thing again and like make a separate video and like discussing, discussing <laughs> everything that I feel because my head is just. Because I feel like I understand some of the things you guys are saying, but I'm not fully grasping as well because i feel like i generally watch two seasons at the same time <laughs> so because the game against um Todoroki and when someone struck struck him out i can remember that clearly but my head is just intertwined with the other with season three i guess mm, okay okay well we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled out for that for that video or we, we might even be there for that one so i blame the um, anime sites run the agenda <laughs> yeah it's not, it's not his fault because well. that happened to me and it's so easy to happen there's probably a lot of people out there suffering from the same thing no no i think it's my fault as well because i was a little bit confused and i didn't even question it i just went with it so might have been my fault as well i think i tried to catch up too quickly but my bad but um still i enjoyed the discussion i might have spoiled a lot actually on some things but yeah until next time i guess Yeah. Um, okay, I'll just give my thoughts quickly. Yep, season two was very good, very entertaining, kept you in there. You, you wanted season three quickly. Um, uh, anything that we mentioned, we didn't get a chance to mention. Um, I just want to show some love to Sanado because that's my that's my guy, that's my ace. Really, he he's one of he's probably my favorite character on the opposition. Although I might be capping, I I'm pretty sure he's my favorite. I just love him. I love his interactions with Todoroki, Raichi, Mishima, Akiba, all of them. The way he's so close with the coach. The way um his name's Ryzo, which is pretty funny because all of us read One Piece. But um I love how the coach is he dotes on him and he's got that close bond with the family. And that whenever he pitches, he goes from that calm, collected to the mean mugging. He starts he gets the stink face and he he knows himself. He knows what he can do. And he understands the limits of his ability. I think my favorite moment from him this season is when he's playing against Ichidai, and then Amihisa, he's like, "Oh yeah, let me throw, let me throw the fastball. I don't want to finish him with a slider because I want satisfaction." He got, he got too caught up, and he was just like, he hit that, he hit that calm because he was like, "Yeah, I was just swinging for the fastball. I'm not right, she man. I'm not right, and I love that. That's why, that's why I love Sanada because he's like, yo, I'm not trying to be some." Um, top battle but what I do want to do is make sure the world sees Todoroki because I recognize that he's special and yeah I just have to shout out Sanada because that's my guy that's my ace shout out to him man he's I definitely a real one was... mm, you're always I said he's definitely a, a real one still yeah that's a great take I'm not gonna lie Sanada is definitely I feel like everyone when people talk about their top pitchers it's always Naromiya um 
Oh, it's Naomiya Amehisa and then Sanada, if you're not including like Furia and Samura, obviously. So like it's it's sad that he doesn't get talked about enough just because I guess Yakushi isn't the most um flashy team, you know, in the world. You kinda have Raichi, Sanada, and then the two lads, but my man is raw. <laughs> and he's he, he is injury prone He's he, he he's got Sorry. a bit of a he's got a bit, he's got a bit of a in him, just a little bit, but he's still he's still my goal. I, I respect that. Not to mention Law's voice actor. So yes, you know. sir. Well, yeah, that was episode twenty-one of the podcast. Long-awaited Diamond A season two. I know people were really getting onto us for that one. Apologies for the delay, but you know, but it's here now. And we even brought someone on to, you know, I guess mitigate the delay. And as always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, follow us on the socials. It will be in the description. And before I leave off, I let I want to say thank you to Jay for coming on. It was an honor to have you, and we really appreciate you taking the time to just join us and talking about this great series. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. It, it was great talking to you. I love your passion, and I love like that. I love that you, you like the series as much as us, because oh, this series always has you know it has us as fans for life. Oh, absolutely, without question. Man, thank you for coming. Um, cool. Just a bit disappointed that I couldn't like really get into the conversation with you, but I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. Not a problem. Just happy to be here, man. Hey, Act 2 coming soon. One day. I know we said last time that <laughs> Season 2 is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now we should just put a target on our back. They're going to be on the <laughs> That's cool. I remember that one coming. But yes, we're out. We're, we're gone. We'll see you in the next one, folks. Deuces. Peace. Bye.